there. Welcome to Stick to Syracuse, Episode 4. My name is Brent Dax. So glad that you're here today. Hey, how did you find us? Did you find the link on Syracuse.com or maybe on social media? Hey, that's cool. But we want to let you know about a couple other ways that you can stay in touch with the Stick to Syracuse podcast. Make sure you subscribe. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're on SoundCloud and Google Play. All great ways to stay in touch with the Stick to Syracuse podcast. Now, it comes out every Monday, but if you hit that subscribe button, you don't even have to think about it. You just hit the button, and then, boom, it'll be right there. On Monday, you'll see this fancy notification on your phone. A new episode of the Stick to Syracuse podcast is available. So, we hope you can subscribe and stay in touch that way. we got a great show lined up for you. Onondaga County Executive Ryan McMahon. He just took over for Joni Mahoney and has a lot on his plate here in 2019. He recently gave the State of the County Address. What did he have to say there about Route 81 and a little Syracuse basketball talk? On the sound scene, Kathleen Mason from K-Mace Production catches up with Mike Powell, one of the great Syracuse lacrosse players of all time, who's now one of Central New York's greatest musicians. And the best of boys... Charlie Miller, Jacob Pucci, tell us about the best fish fries in central New York. Very timely, with Lent starting this week. Hey, just Joe, what do you say you get us going? And then we'll hear from Onondaga County Executive Ryan McMahon. Behind SU Sports, snowstorm weather we pose. Stick to Syracuse today. Soft potatoes, high top dogs, dynasty barbecue all year long. Stick to Syracuse today. It's raining, it's snowing, it don't know where it's going. Stick to Syracuse today. Ladies and gentlemen, your host of Stick to Syracuse, Brent X. Thanks for having me. I was wondering when I was going to get this request. I'm, I'm happy to be here. One of the first four. Yeah. That's pretty good, That's man. good. That's good. You just did the State of the County address recently. Yes. That's got to be a fun thing to say. The State of the County is. It, right? it was. I got to say this, too. We're in your office, and I walk in the office. I'm like, oh, man, they keep the podium in here. So you had the podium <laughs> in here practicing, getting ready for it. So how did it go? How was your first State of the County It, it was great. And, you know, it was a big moment for us because we spent – the last 120 days actively engaging the community. We've had 10 official town hall meetings. I've stopped by many, many neighborhood watch meetings, different meetings in the public, listening to what the issues are in communities from our city to our suburban towns, our rural towns. And we it really helped us form our platform that we've been talking about. But you, you do a lot of work and you put a lot of hours in and here's your first chance to really talk about it in a way where you've captured the community. So we wanted to practice. We wanted to make sure that we uh, put our sentences together and uh, emphasized uh, what we wanted to. And so uh, I practiced with a teleprompter on Friday. I've never done that, and I could, I could do it. So we okay. went with that. Check and, that out uh, the list. That's right. And so uh, I felt a little bit like President Obama for a little while there. Uh, but, you know, we got out there, and it was great. Uh, we were at LeMoyne College, my alma mater. Uh, my old soccer coach, Coach Bonus, was there. He's still there, and he uh, introduced me, so it was nice to uh, 
see Coach again. And I told a funny story, Brian. You'll appreciate this. I uh, About four years ago, I went up, and LeMoyne was having a good uh, season. I took my son, and he just started getting into soccer. And we saw Coach, and Coach came over before the game, and he said, Hey, Rye. If you want to uh, work on some fitness with the team, let me know. And I, it was a nice little jab, right? And so I didn't think anything of it till this weekend when my staff's wanting to get my yearbook pictures for my senior year when I was on, the, you know, my college soccer team or my my yearbook picture. And I looked at it and I said, "Now I understand what <laughs> Coach was talking about. That's what he's used to looking at." And I certainly don't look that same way. So, but overall, it was a great experience. I thought. We had a lot of, I think we had over 300 people come, and so it was uh, it was good. And we got in to talk about our agenda, some of our specific initiatives, and uh, really tell our story as a community that is now looking at our challenges, tackling our challenges, talking about what they are, and trying to take these problems in front of us and make them opportunities. And I think that's where we are, and I think we're really poised for growth. So if you really could prioritize it, I know everything you brought up is important to you, but you know how these things go and how you have to prioritize and do it. But if there's you know, a couple things you really want to accomplish, say by the end of the year, what would you prioritize those to be? Yeah, so we talked about uh, there's a couple immediate things that are a little bit outside of our what we call our pie platform, our pie agenda, which is poverty, infrastructure, and economic development. But we had a couple initiatives that blend into that. Uh, one of those uh, being that we want to get all of our economic development agencies in the same building, in the same space. Uh, so our, our planning department, our community development department, and our economic development department we're going to put into the Carnegie Building downtown, which we own and is vacant. And it's underutilized, beautiful Carnegie Library. And we've invited the city's neighborhood and business development department, which emphasizes their their planning, their codes, their community development, to join us. And we think that sends a strong message that the collaboration between the city and county is real and it's sustainable. And anytime you have all your economic development agencies under one roof, that's better for the customer. So that was one thing that we put out there. We think the mayor is going to work with us on that. Uh, we, When you're looking at some of the things in government we can do to help our poverty issue be, without policy is you can always help on the hiring process. And so we're very interested uh, in furthering diversifying our county workforce, making sure that our workforce represents all the communities that are here in Onondaga County. Uh, currently, we're, we have, we're between 13 and 14 percent minority. We'd like that to be 20 percent by the year 2022. Uh, it's an ambitious goal because we have civil service restraints. We can't just hire people. They have to pass tests for many of these jobs. So we're going to go out and spend some money to understand what our best practices are to get into some of these underserved neighborhoods and try to make them uh, county reflective in our county workforce even more. And by doing that, we're going to hire a chief diversity officer. So we're excited about that as well. Ryan, there seems to be a real effort, and we're in the first quarter here, right? But there seems to be a real effort between you and, and Mayor Walsh to to bring, and you brought up the Carnegie Library thing as an example, but, you know, there was a division between the county executive's office and the mayor's office. There's no question yep. about that. So you're trying to start over, trying to, you know, forge that gap a little bit here. Tell me how important that is to you, to have a good working relationship with the mayor. You're certainly not always going to agree, but it seems like both of you have said, 
you know, this is important that these two entities work well together. Yeah, and I think, Brent, if you look at it, so my history in public services, I was a Syracuse city councilor, and then I became a county legislator where I represented suburban and city neighborhoods. Uh, now I'm county executive and I represent everybody. So uh, I've always been very engaged in projects in the city, whether I was a city councilor or a county legislator. And I understand how important it is to have your two executives working together. If your mayor and your county executive aren't working together, it's very difficult to get state or federal partners involved because it's too complicated. Uh, And it's also very difficult to get the private sector engaged or your nonprofit partners or your educational partners to do big things because they're worried about what landmine that they might step on. So uh, what's unique about our current leadership is Myself and the mayor grew up together. We literally grew up three blocks away from each other. We went to the same schools, most holy rosary, then Bishop Ludden until the mayor went to West Hill, and we stayed Gaelic nights, and exactly. we always have that overhead. Two out of three ain't yeah, bad, yeah, yeah. And so uh, the, uh, we know known each other. We've been friends. I trust that the mayor has a community's interests uh, at heart, and I think he trusts that I do too. So that's an incredibly good positive partnership and that gives us a lot to build on as we speak we have not seen the environmental report from the state yet and that's kind of what everybody's waiting for to really kind of take that position on 81 but some have said no this is how i feel the best position on 81 is and that is there's a slight disagreement sure. there between you and, and the mayor's office so i want you to go over kind of where how you feel about 81 right now what the best option going forward is. And I, I, we don't know what's in the report, but I, I, is there anything that could come from that report that could change your opinion on that? You, you know, I think this this on this issue, there's really two – you have two opinions. And we're not going to have consensus as a community on this issue. So the I look at the – and I understand why the city of Syracuse and the mayor supports a community grid. It creates some connectivity between neighborhoods, presents some opportunities to have development. Uh, My position is one where it's similar that I want the city to have that connectivity, but I also recognize that that same connectivity that the city wants to have between neighborhoods, that's how our suburban communities connect to the city and to other parts of the county. So that connectivity is different. Connectivity for the city is a bridge coming down connectivity for the rest of the community to come together is some sort of interstate. So if you can have the best of both worlds, having that connectivity with some sort of interstate but still have the community grid for the city, that's, I believe, the best solution. I do know that's the most expensive solution, and I do believe that the budget has not been set and there hasn't been enough talk about what a budget is. If the budget was out there that we have $2 billion and that's all we have, then that kind of makes some decisions for the community. So what I'm now focused in on isn't who's right or whatnot. There's not going to be agreement on that. What I'm focused in on is the day after the decision. What's the decision and what are the communities that will now be impacted in a negative way by the decision and what needs to be done to mitigate those problems? Because if we don't do that, We'll have winners and losers. So our focus and our team is is not so much on the decision, what it is, but the day after, what communities are 
perceived to be losing and what are they losing and can we mitigate that and if so that's where our efforts need to go you brought up the word consensus and i think the consensus everybody has is we can't screw this up like this is a really important big decision that has to be made and it's amazing i brought this up with congressman Katko last week we're talking about 1.4 miles yes. of highway but it's a a major stretch and you know the division of, of what is there now and, and what critics say about the, the current structure of it now, that being said, I want to ask you the same question I asked Congressman Katko. While no one's going to agree completely on this, what will a consensus feel like to you? Well, that's it, it, a good question, and uh, I, I, I don't know if we're going to have an immediate consensus on this decision because you're going to – I think if you have a hybrid option with a tunnel and a grid, that really is a consensus position – but the community grid advocates aren't going to feel that way. And if you go to the community grid, the uh, advocates for the tunnel or just keeping the viaduct aren't going to feel that way. So really what needs to happen is that that mitigation strategy, either way there might be some sort of mitigation to a degree. I think there will be less mitigation with a tunnel uh, and a grid on top. But I think it will take a little bit of time. I think that's the one issue right now that concerns me about our momentum we as a, as a community is this issue because there are two sides. They're pretty locked in, and we're, we will need leadership when the decision's made, whatever it is, to bring us back together again. Calm down. This is a long capital project. Nothing's going to change overnight no matter what. you know. And uh, that's going to take some leadership on all, all parts to really try to come together at that point. This is the fun stuff you signed up for as county executive, Ryan, to talk about sewers. Yes. But it's a very important issue, and it falls under infrastructure, and you hear something like $500 million, and that's going to open a lot of eyes. Yeah. So not the funnest thing to talk about for sure, but tell me how important this is uh, to address that issue. It, it is, and you know, Syracuse.com did a great article on this recently. Uh, Tim Canals did a really good job talking, talking about this in a way where – it matters to people so they can pay attention. So our issue right now is we have uh, the technical operation of a of wastewater works well. You have a home or a business, there is a wastewater event, someone flushes a toilet, it eventually gets off to a treatment facility and gets treated. The technical ownership of that process does not work. Once you flush the toilet, it then goes through a series of pipes, the pipes then go to the wastewater treatment facility. The county has the regulation, the regulatory permits to operate the facilities, so therefore we're in charge of the system. But we do not own all the infrastructure in the system. So right now, due to leaky pipes and leaky manhole covers, we have situations where clean water infiltrates into the wastewater system. That clean water gets treated just like it is wastewater. We then treat too many gallons of water per day and at some point, we can't keep up with it in wet weather events. When that happens, this water gets into the environment, and that's not good. And uh, so your regulators come on you, and they say a couple things need to happen. One, you're going to have to invest in more tanks to treat all this additional water, which costs a lot of money. Two, you're going to have uh, restraints on adding new wastewater into the system, new development. So for every gallon you want to add in, you have to take so many gallons off the system. Uh, which creates development issues. So the real problems come down to the fact that it's going to cost more money. You can't grow unless we do something differently, and that's fixing the pipes. So 
we, for us to fix the pipes as the county, we need to own them. So we're talking about a regional consolidation of the infrastructure where we'll own the pipes. We'll, we'll take them over from the towns, the village, and the city, and we'll go fix them. So f- we can fix them once for 100 years, and that should re- alleviate a lot of this pressure in our facilities. So we can spend this money once now, or at our wastewater treatment facilities, we can continue to invest $20, $30 million every 10, 15 years because the pipes, if they don't get fixed, they're going to keep on leaking all this extra water into it. So there's going to be a cost. We have the technical expertise. We'll be able to save some money as we fix the pipes at the wastewater facilities because we won't be treating as much wastewater. There will be a savings there. If we go in with a big plan, we'll be able to get some federal and state grants. And the looking at it, it we'll be able to grow as a community. Our businesses that are here now, when they need to expand, they'll have wastewater capacity. Uh, new businesses will be able to be attracted to come here because we'll have the infrastructure. In neighborhoods, I know, you know, there's sewer backups that are just horrific. And that's part of the infrastructure, too. You have leaky pipes. You have pipes that aren't big enough, uh, you know, that aren't uh, that can't handle the current flows. And so you have real problems underneath the uh, the ground with the infrastructure. Okay, I know you're a Hoops fan, so oh, yeah. I'm going to let you rant a little bit here about this team. I mean, we're in March now. It's prime time. You know, we're is, all kind of wondering what this team's going to be like, yeah. and I think we felt that way the past few years, yeah. and it's just been either Final Four or not in the tournament, no in yeah. between, but... Uh, as best you can, how, how do you forecast what this team can do in March Madness? Yeah, I think this team's kind of, uh, they're a little frustrating because I think this team's better than the other teams we've had recently. And they got some guys where, you know, you look at the Carolina game, you got Hughes having a big first half and then he kind of second half. We, we didn't have the battle comes back. We didn't have that uh, real strong second option. Carolina's playing better basketball than anybody in the country right now. So just for us to be in that game at Chapel Hill shows that we're right there. So I think we got some important games coming up. We got to win at Wake. We got to win at Clemson. Uh, I think we got a real opportunity at home versus Virginia in the Loud House. We we can get the job done there. Uh, you know, I, but you know, it's all in March. It's all about the matchups, right? If you get a good six eleven matchup, seven ten matchup, uh, you know, maybe this team made a run. You might end up on a five seed if you made a nice run. But if you get that good matchup, you get some of these Big Ten or Big Twelve teams, Pac Ten, you know, in the right games, you make that run, and then. You know, maybe you see one of your ACC squads and, you know, Sweet 16 or Elite Eight. So, I, I, you know, I think this team's got a lot more upside. And when we played our best games, we, we can beat anybody. So when the Duke game happened, so many former players came into town as uh, Galaxy Communications did a big orange out of it. Yeah. And you got a chance to go to a dinner with, I mean, you name it, and, and they were there. Coleman, oh, Owens, man. Wallace. It was awesome. So that's better than talking about sewers. Like, yeah. That's the good part of the uh, job, right? Yeah, I talked yeah. about sewers with those guys. They didn't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> but I got to I got to hang out with kids that, guys that when I was a kid, I was naming my pets after, right? These guys were like heroes, Billy Owens and – Derek Coleman and uh, Sherman Douglas were there, Rosie Bowie. Then you had guys, uh, you know, John Wallace, who's just a tremendous guy, uh, Todd Bergen, you know, some of these guys you haven't seen in a long time. Derek Brower was there. So it was so awesome to get to talk to these guys and get to know them a little bit and uh, what their life is like now after Syracuse. And they are diehard Cuse fans. And the cool bond they had that they brought up that very few student-athletes have this bond together, and that's why I think you see these generational bonds with our, our alumni is they all got one guy who's their coach. And 
Duke's got it. We got it. Not many other people do, but these guys were there. They all had coach. Coach probably wrote them all over the years. So that was really cool to listen to them talk about that bond that they have with Bayheim. I've asked every guest this. So I, I'm going to rephrase it a little bit because the question is usually what makes Syracuse Syracuse? But since you kind of have a broader scope, I will ask it this way. What makes Onondaga County Onondaga County? We are... We, we have some of the best natural resources any community has, and we're a diverse county. We're, we're a lot like New York State where we have rural, suburban, urban communities. We have unbelievable academic institutions. We have very good schools. Our quality of life is second to none, and now we have some of these growing economic sectors that are really the jobs of tomorrow. And the one thing that we have that the rest of the country doesn't, and what I think is one of the things we can build on as a community moving forward, is we have clean, fresh water. And we have lots of it. We don't appreciate it. We're fickle. We're a little hard on ourselves in central New York and Onondaga County, uh, but we got a lot more going for us than we do against us. One thing's for sure, Mike Powell decides to do something, he'll excel at it. Mike Powell is one of the greatest lacrosse players of all time. He's one of the best working musicians in central New York, and he happens to be a master craftsman as well. A bathtub, a toaster, a pistol and a pencil, a razor and a reason to go. You should check all this out at MikePowell.co. That's right, MikePowell.co, not .com. Kathleen Mason from K-Mace Productions caught up with the multi-talented local musician. It's a sad day in champion. The paper mill's closing. We can't hear a thing with the church bells all frozen. Sister John never holds away she can't carry. And the children grow. I know that people bring this up with you all the time, but I, I cannot help but do it. So you, amazing at lacrosse, an incredible musician in many ways that we'll continue to talk about, and the craftsman. It seems a little unfair to the rest of us, but <laughs> everything, <laughs> you, us, right? <laughs> everything you seem to touch, it's like you're genius with. Um, and I know that you're super humble, but you cannot pretend that that isn't the truth. So what I want to know is, did you learn these things in tandem? Did you just fall into them? How how does this happen to someone? Well, first off, thank you very much for saying that. And I, I will say that um, I have this I have this feeling that you know we hear people talk about talent a lot, and someone is talented. They'll say about certain people. I think we all have talent. Every person that walks around is talented. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of being, from my experience, being fearless. Of like attacking something with everything that you have mm-hmm. being a younger uh, sibling you're kind of built you have this uh, baked in sense of like fearlessness of you know you've watched your older siblings do things and mm-hmm. so you're not I guess what I'm getting at is I'm I'm not afraid to try new things and I'm a big believer that if I'm gonna try something I'm going to give it every inch of what I have. So I don't think it's necessarily talent. I think it's just this mentality of attacking something with, uh, you know, like with, with, with furniture, I didn't know anything about it, not one thing. Uh, but I bought a house and I needed furniture. Mm-hmm. And 
I went to the furniture store and saw how expensive furniture was. And I didn't have the money to buy the furniture. So I said, instead of doing that, why don't I buy tools and build my furniture? So I was definitely thrust into becoming a, a furniture maker. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm not sure if you're, if, if you're like this, but... Like take a, a photographer, for example, when they buy a new camera and they start taking pictures, you start to notice lighting differently. Mm -hmm. If you have a nice camera, you start looking around and you see light coming through the window differently or different scenes. You, you're looking through a, a, a photographer's eye. With anything that you get into in your life, it kind of allows you to be appreciative of the craft. Your new album live tell me how making that as opposed to a studio album was for you um it was a lot shorter which, <laughs> which i loved right I, I i i love when a project takes you know a week as opposed to months so that was um one of the reasons i i did it um and I've, Brent and I have talked about this, but I hate recording. I hate mm -hmm. going into a studio. Um, my whole thing with music is like I'm not a polished musician. I don't know the notes I'm playing. I can't tell you the charts. I can't, you know, it's all just feeling. And if, when I go into a studio, I feel like it loses that. Mm -hmm. It gets away from where the song started. Sterile. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, um, I've I've heard, you know, people say that they they enjoy the live shows more than my my albums I've put out, and I enjoy that, like the fact that they're candid about that. And um, but that's ultimately too what you want as a musician. You want people to see you live because that's why you're a musician. Yeah, totally. Mostly. With with without a doubt. Behind the wheel. Of an automobile through the forever field she drives. Tasting the tears from all of the years she fears she's been wasting her life. Then the silhouette of a father that's dead shows up on the passenger side. She slams on the brakes. Looks her in the face, he says, girl, let's go take a ride. This is life. It's a whole lot of moonlight. Sunshine and rain. Has there ever been an inspiration in your life that's been so compelling that you've had to make it? into a song I mean obviously you have tons of songs but I'm just saying is there anything that you can remember that that absolutely had to be either um, part of your music um, I can't think of one particular mm -hmm. moment in time that's a good question um, but I, I will say that uh, I've gone looking for songs and I never find them <laughs> um, so I, I I can't actively go out and they just kind of show up. Right. So so I so I never 
So the the short answer is no. I don't think there's ever been a moment where I said I got to write a song about that. Right. But uh, to me, it's it's little phrases and moments and what where we are right now in this moment in time as mm-hmm. humans. Um, songs are starting to matter again. Mm-hmm. And absolutely, lyrics lyrics especially are people are looking for for lyrics now. Um, not saying that they weren't. Uh, no, in, in, in the 80s and 90s, but much but, more poignant. Yes, and uh, that's exciting to me. Fuzz starts falling from those high top speakers, and the girls start jumping when they hit that chorus like their grand slam swinging for the farthest fences, and the acid's dripping on the tongues of tweakers. Man, this sound is out of sight, and it feels right. Those were the days when the only thing they made was love. I just love waking up and making stuff. And that's what I've always wanted with my life. I've never been driven by anything other than being in control of how I spend my days on the on this planet. And right now I'm at a point where I can wake up and either go to the wood shop or go to the music studio um, and make things Mm -hmm. and that that's everything for me so my goal is to be able to continue to do that hey what do you say have a happy day cause we're living in Syracuse there is a place on the north side of town You can meet your friend Either old or new Discuss the latest news Including the weather Coffee's always hot It's a place to stop So come on down Down to Jim's Fish Fry so it's March in central New York, and that brings to mind a lot of things. NCAA basketball, St. Patrick's Day Parade, but one of my favorite things is fish fry every Friday. And you guys just completed the adventure, best fish fry in central New York. I'm not surprised to know who won. Doug's Fish Fry took home the title, but they took both titles, right, Pooch? Yes. Um, so how it works is the judges, which are Charlie and myself and our guest judge, um, who I uh, was... Bobby Corning. He he owned Swallows down on the south side of town for more than thirty more than thirty years, yep. um, and has fr- fried fish every Friday night. So he knows his way around that fryer. Um, and they uh, we visited all four finalists, and Doug's won it, um, and with the people's vote. Um, so while we're going out to judge, the our readers also vote in a poll, in an online poll, and uh, and Doug's won that one too. So it was a clean sweep. They're all going to be great. I mean, a finalist, you're not a finalist unless you're great. Um, I had not eaten at all of them. I have eaten at Doug's many times. I've eaten at Fish Cove many times. But the hidden gem, I thought, was uh, gems on Wolf Street. Never heard of it before. And they've been around for 75 years. 1944. Yeah. Very appropriate for Syracuse. Yeah. Yeah. Very appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. And it it was just great. I mean, at every place, you just get mounds and mounds of food. 
So our four finalists, in addition to Doug's, um, went through the Skinny Alice, the original location, uh, was Jim's Fish Fry, like I said, up on Wolf Street, the uh, Westvale Fish Cove over on West Genesee Street, and Atlantic Seafood over on East Genesee Street in Baldwinsville. What makes a great fish fry? Well, it's not just the fish. It's everything surrounding it. It's the side dishes. Certainly it's the haddock, that how it's cooked and the, how it's breaded, how it's fried, um, and how it stays together and in its overall flavor, but we also judged the side dishes, the french fries, the onion rings, the mac salad, the coleslaw. You guys stuck to the basics then. I was wondering, like, in your adventures, if you, well, I didn't think of that. That doesn't go with fish fry, but I think there's certain things, certain traditions that people have, like, this is what I want right. with my sure. fish fry, and it seems like that's what those places stick to. Oh, certainly. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to find green beans in a fish, <laughs> <laughs> fish fry. Thank, green thank, beans. Thankfully. Think about it. <laughs> right. Yeah. But no, and, 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 they were different. Every one of them cooked and prepared their side dishes differently. Most of them, they were all homemade, mm-hmm. correct? Um, which was really nice. I mean, they were all outstanding, yeah. and I would eat at any one of them again. Who didn't make the cut? Uh, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you one example. I thought the fish fryer would get in there. Relatively I new place it. in downtown. We're close to it where we are at our hub downtown. I've been there many times. Mm-hmm. I thought even their reputation would push um, them through. But it just goes to show you, there's some real heavyweight champs around they here. They were in the top you ten. Knock off. They yeah. were in the top they ten. They were a top ten. Um, but, I mean, I and I'm the one who's in charge of counting all the nominations. We had votes for 177, I want to say. Uh, 177 different restaurants. Just mm-hmm. in a no eight-county area. Uh, it, it does span, you know, Syracuse, but up to Oswego, down to Cortland, east to Utica, west to around, like, Seneca Falls area. And only four make the finals. I, I asked them all, is the Lenten season the busiest time of the year for you? And one said, believe it or not, it's not, because during Lent, you have all the community fish fries, like, like Fairmount, which is enormous. So they're taking the business away from the, the, fair, rest, the rest. I didn't think about yeah. it that yeah. way. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they, I, I think it was Doug's. He said they're busier in the summertime than they are on Good Friday. Sure. Yeah. I got to tell you. I got to yeah. tell you, Brent. I mean, the fish there is outstanding. Oh, it just so is. Good. They they do everything right. I know people like they root for the little guy, and you know we 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 get that. Yeah. But their food was the best. It, it just is. But they were all great. And I would eat at any one of those. And I raved about, we yeah. both raved about all four, because that's why they're finalists, because they're great. Right. And, and I, yeah, I mean, it's, you get to the point, like, after we do all four and we have to really judge. I mean, you really do nitpick details, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, in this case, you know, everything was so the top of the game here. You know, so, like, we just nitpick one little thing. And that, you know, that small little thing might be enough to just bump you down. We like to say, like, the fourth-place finisher is still the fourth-place fin- finisher out of 177 nominees. Exactly. Um, it's still a great result. And the guy from Jim's yesterday, he said, listen, I don't, I don't care if we win or not. We are so happy that we even made the top four because this has already brought in so much business that we didn't have before. People are reading this. They're following you guys. It's really, really been eye-opening. I don't know about you boys. Everybody's got their preference, but I I no longer have. This is a lot of fried food. You got to do it. I no longer have French fries. It's it's onion rings. Onion rings all the way. All the way. Yeah. That was if there's if there's one takeaway from this whole story and whole series is that when you're at Doug's Fish Fry, upgrade to the yeah. onion rings. It's only an extra buck. The onion rings we like. So we, as the three judges, do break down you know all our favorites, all the different components, 
And there were only a couple sweeps that all three of us agreed on. Um, and the onion rings at Doug's were one of those sweeps. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the fries are good. They're homemade, cut in house. But the onion rings are just next level. I agree. Let's go to Skinny it's Alice. Great. Let's wrap this it's up. Great. Let's get out of here. Believe it or not. Here we I, come, Doug's. I'm not kidding you. I will have fried fish tonight for dinner. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to. And now, sounds from our next episode. Boy, if you got to get away from the winter blues in central New York, Jess Brown and Root Shock will help bring you to a warmer place. week on the stick to syracuse podcast thank you so much for listening this week my name is brent dax thanks to onondaga county executive ryan mcmahon jacob pucci charlie miller from syracuse.com and kathleen mason chatting with mike powell until next time meet you at galveston's